Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and this week is all about holiday drinks, from champagne cocktails to festive non-alcoholic options. We've also got some buzzy food news, like a wellness revival in Mineral Wells, restaurants that find parents for unruly kids, and a viral TikTok trend called Thanksgiving Sushi. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest food and restaurant news. And don't forget to tell us what you think at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. If you like the show, be sure to leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. Later, we'll be getting our drink on with some cocktail talk. But first, we're discussing the latest restaurant news with food reporters Sarah Blaskovich, Imelda Garcia, and drum roll, <laughs> Claire Baller is back. Hi, Claire. So happy to be back. Claire, where have you been? I have spent the last five months writing about fentanyl and how pervasive it's become in North Texas and how little people understand about it. I've definitely learned a lot from it. So thank you for doing that. But we're happy to have you back now. I'm happy to be back. And anyone who wants to read the work that we did, you can find all of of our stories at dallasnews.com slash deadly fake. So let's start off by talking about this restaurant in Georgia that has supposedly been charging families an extra fee for their children's bad behavior. Ooh. So this restaurant called Tacoa Riverside Restaurant in the Blue Ridge Mountains went viral on Reddit when someone posted that this restaurant charges you extra for bad parenting which super subjective here. It's not about the kids' bad behavior. It's about the parents <laughs> being bad at their jobs. Yes. There's a lot of judgy judginess going on here. Ooh. So I looked at their menu online and there is a note that says there is an adult surcharge for adults unable to parent. Mm. <laughs> and there is no amount on there, just $3 signs, which I think means expensive. <laughs> yeah, Very that means expensive. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems to be up to the owner's discretion, but online reviewers have reported that some people have been charged $50. $50? Yes, $50. Per, I wonder if that's per child or just like flat fee. Wow. I, that I, matters depending on how many yeah. kids you have. It's a great question, Claire. <laughs> I know. I think the worst offense for children in restaurants is the mess underneath the table. The little kid given goldfish that came from mom's purse. And then he or she crumbles them into 40 million pieces. <laughs> and they land under the table. But then also pieces of the grilled cheese that was eaten from the actual restaurant, hunks of that are in the seat and below the booth. To me, like the sweeping is the worst offense. I'm not sure if these unruly kids, or said another way, the bad parents, right. I'm not sure if they were like loud, if that's another thing. My kid's problem is really just mess. Yeah. But I often like reach down with a napkin and clean the best I can the floor. Right. But it's not fun. Nobody wants to come to that table next. And realize that there was a three-year-old sitting there. Just seems really kind of aggressive to me. You know, as a parent, you're just trying to like teach a small little 
person whose brain is not developed how to be a functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. And that includes like taking your kid to restaurants. I have a two-year-old. Sarah, your kids are older than mine and you've been through this of like, okay, restaurants are an important part of my life yep. as they were with you. And you, you have to find a way to get your kid to be able to like sit down at a restaurant and know how to behave. And that's a bumpy process. Totally. I feel like this thing, having a charge for parents, like that just immediately would shut me down from like, okay, I'm not going to take my toddler there. Yeah. And also the first thing I thought of when I saw this was what if you're a parent with a special needs child mm-hmm. that someone might not recognize what that kid's dealing with or what the parents are dealing with. It just seems like it's lacking any amount of grace. Yeah. To me. I also feel like it's just intended to be punitive. Like if you don't want kids in your restaurant, just say, don't bring your kids. And yep. we have a perfect example of that. Yeah. yeah. RM 1220, not open in Dallas anymore, but they said from the front, we're a place for adults. And many of us sitting here have been to RM 1220 and liked it a lot. I think none of us took our children and being a parent is by far the hardest job I've ever had in my life. I think a lot of us are really doing our best. Yeah. And the anxiety (laughs) that happens when you have your child in a public space, like at a restaurant and you're like, dear God, please just keep it together. And to have the stress of knowing that you could be fined if your kid (laughs) does not keep it together, I would not go to a restaurant if I knew that. Isn't it bad enough already if you feel like your kid's being a little too noisy? Yeah. I don't have kids, but I can feel like this kid phobia, something like that. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, when you are in a plane and the kid starts like, (laughs) (laughs) for three hours, it's like, I understand you're a parent, you love your kid, but I love my ears and I love my peace. And it's it's like a battle for all of us that we don't have kids, you know? I have a really good internet example of kids behaving great in a restaurant. It's called Tales from Your Server is the name of the Instagram handle. And there's this story about seven-year-olds who went on a date at a restaurant. And they arrived with their parents. And their parents asked, can we sit at separate tables? Because the seven-year-olds are on a date together. And they want their own table. And the parents are, of course, paying. And they're sitting close by. But they they didn't want to sit with them. The server said it was the most darling thing ever. They ordered mussels. Wow. Oh, wow. The girl had never had mussels before, and he convinced her to try them, and she loved them. Um, So the server goes to the parents to say, your kids are so mature and cute. She says, they conversed the whole time and giggled. This Instagram post says they captured everyone's hearts so much that my manager gave them half glasses of zero proof champagne to toast with (laughs) with little strawberries on the glasses. Like those kids learned how to sit at a restaurant and order for themselves and like have a special experience. There's no tip too high for somebody to care a little bit about my kids. I mean, it only takes just a shred to help and it (laughs) goes so far. I had a dining experience in Italy with my son. He was nine months old and he was, he's a baby. He was like not having it and was done sitting there and we were not, our meal hadn't even come out yet. And a server took my son out of my arms, walked him around the entire restaurant, took him back into the kitchen, showed him all the things. (laughs) They were all like gushing over him and squeezing his cheeks. And he was like happy and great the rest of the meal. It was so lovely to feel like I wasn't bothering anyone. My son was not bothering anyone by just being a baby. Another viral thing we've seen on the internet lately is something called Thanksgiving Sushi. So there's this one creator who calls himself the Vulgar Chef. Oh. He also has something called the Candy Corn Grilled Cheese. <sighs> oh, no. And that one definitely made me want to vomit. But because it's, it's the worst candy ever. But the Thanksgiving Sushi, ha- have you guys watched it? Yep. And I have three words. Love, love, 
and lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> Imelda loves it. Claire hates it. Yeah. Okay. And Sarah, you haven't seen it, right? I haven't. You definitely need to. Yeah. Okay. Thanksgiving sushi. <laughs> All right. Here's a Thanksgiving sushi recipe that I've been getting threatened about ever since I posted the picture. I make this every year. It's one of my favorite things to make. You know, I don't do it with a turkey though. I just get a couple of rotisseries from the store and we just send it like that. I use the skin from two rotisserie chickens. You're going to have a lot of chicken left over. It's soup season though. Make a soup. I like to use instant mashed He's potatoes. Fussy. They honestly taste better than regular mashed potatoes, especially if you use like chicken broth instead of water to make them. A little strip of cranberry sauce, some of that rotisserie chicken on there. And then we're just going to roll that thing up nice and tight. Now Whoa. at this point, I just kind of like to slice it and serve it. You could put the whole thing on a hot pan and crisp it up a little bit more. I don't have patience. I don't have patience for a pan. I got no pan patience over here. I like to just slice it up and dive in. Serve it with a little hot side of gravy and that's pretty much it. You know, no mayonnaise, no spam, no hot dogs. Sometimes I just want to eat something a little different. All right, there you guys go. There's your Thanksgiving sushi recipe. Stop Whoa. harassing me. Wow, you guys. Yeah. What do you think? What do so, you yeah, think, Sarah? Thoughts. I don't love chicken skin as much as everybody else does. It's fine on chicken. I don't need it removed and wrapped around sushi instead of seaweed. But I get the like food thing behind it. And it reminds me of state fair food. Mm. Yeah. You put a whole meal into a fried something. Yeah. And he did that, but in a sushi roll. But I'm not with Amelda. Tell us why you love it. I love chicken skin. And rotisserie chicken is the best for me. Uh, remember when we talk about ofrendas, right? Yes. So for me, my ofrenda plate, it's enchiladas, but with rotisserie chicken. So I love it. You're yeah. not dying for a long time, Imelda, but when you do, we know what to put yes, please. at your altar. Put it, please. <laughs> the whole like splaying out of the chicken skin was just a little horror movie-esque. It was pretty vulgar. It was It was vulgar. on brand. But the like strip of cranberry sauce through the middle, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. squeezing out yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. no, no. <laughs> He's like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's a like that. I would rather have the good old day after Thanksgiving sandwich. Also, yeah. points taken off for the fact that he's using chicken. Wait, why is it no or, turkey? I don't know. Sarah, now I want to hear more about your cool story about mineral wells. I really love this. I spent a full day talking to a bunch of people in mineral wells because there's a whole revival happening in this sweet little town, population 17,000 people. Way back in the late 1800s, Mineral Wells was a wellness destination for people all over the country because they found mineral water in the earth below the town and they started selling it. And people way back when thought that it could cure their ailments. So something simple like I have a headache, I'm going to drink some mineral water, but also people were coming from far and wide because they had stomach aches or they, you know, just something that they weren't really sure how to fix. And this is like way pre-aspirin. And it was a spa town in like the 1880s. That's cool. I love it. And so Mineral Wells once had, according to the One Woman Tourism Board today, <laughs> they once had thousands of hotel rooms and dozens of hotels to house all these wellness travelers. Then a bunch of stuff happened and Mineral Wells turned into a tiny little town. Um, there was a military base there that was decommissioned. The FDA told them they couldn't tout the health benefits of their water because it's simply water from the earth. And then uh, modern medicine. You know, people started taking aspirin if they had a headache instead of trying to find other homeopathic cures. And so Mineral Wells is the town that we know it to be, which is a sweet little place to raise your family in the country if you want. It's also very beautiful. It's near the Brazos River. It's near Possum Kingdom Lake. And I believe the revival that's happening right now has everything to do with two hotels, which are reopening and were open in its heyday. 
One is called the Crazy Water Hotel, which is open now, and it has a restaurant in the bottom of it. And the menu comes from a chef who moved from Austin to Mineral Wells with his family to live there permanently. The general manager of this hotel, her name is Cynthia Nelson. She also moved from Austin. And if you talk to either of them, they feel sort of a spiritual connection to Mineral Wells. Um, The second hotel is the Baker Hotel. It's been open since the late 1920s. It's twice as tall and twice as big in terms of rooms as this Crazy Water Hotel. And there were sort of warring hotels, almost like people in town seemed to like one or the other more or have an affinity for one or the other. But interestingly, as they're both being reinvented, the same management company is going to run both. So there's this belief in the town that the two hotels that used to have these different identities are working together to make Mineral Wells a place that you should visit again. And the water is still there, right? That's right. There used to be a couple dozen companies that sold their water. Now there is simply one. You can buy crazy water at grocery stores all over Texas. And also, I love this little tip, Tatsu, the sushi restaurant that we have all talked about because it's so tiny and wonderful. He boils his sushi rice only in crazy water because he believes the taste of the water makes the rice taste right. Oh, wow. And I think he's right. And how cool that it's from 80 miles west of Dallas. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Next up, we're getting into holiday party mode. That's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's cocktail time, one of our favorite topics. A holiday party or event is just not the same if the drink situation is overlooked. So we're going to share some tips on how to make it special. Sarah, you have talked about planning some champagne cocktails for a party, right? Mm. That's right. I have sort of fell into a champagne rabbit hole, which is a really delicious, <laughs> a fun bubbly one. place. I am co-hosting a party in December for about 80 to 100 women. A champagne cocktail is something I wanted to be part of the menu. What are we going to mix that women of all ages might want to drink? Which is a little bit tricky. And so I reached out to some bartenders and just asked them, like, if you were making a champagne cocktail for you and your friends, what would you do? Interestingly, the first response I got was a clarification. So the question was, just to be clear, Sarah, are you talking about a classic champagne cocktail, which is the name of a cocktail from the 1800s? Oh, Or are you talking about a cocktail with champagne as the main ingredient? So great point. I meant the second one. I was just (laughs) looking for champagne to be the main ingredient. But then I wonder, well, what's a classic champagne cocktail? Yeah, I don't know. So I looked this up. Diffordsguide.com, written by Simon Difford, has a single explanation. One of the oldest cocktails, he says, dating back to at least the mid-1800s, the champagne cocktail consists of a sugar cube douched in aromatic bitters. (laughs) Over which is poured a small measure of cognac before the glass is topped with champagne. Oh. Sugar cube douched in bitters, dropped in the glass, covered in cognac, topped with champagne. So that's a cool cocktail. It's not the one that That we're going to do. It seems a little too loud for a Sunday afternoon party. Right. But now we know what a classic champagne cocktail is and two times I said douched. (laughs) Now three. (laughs) (laughs) I asked Twitter what they thought about a classic champagne cocktail. Many of the answers started with a great bottle of champagne, listed some other ingredients, and then said, ignore all the other ingredients except the champagne and enjoy. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Which is to say that I think many people like, like I do, a mimosa without OJ. Right. 
just simply a glass <laughs> of champagne. But another person I asked was Kyle Hilla. He's the North Texas market manager for Bacardi. And he sent me a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, wow. With eight or 10 different holiday cocktails. And I would love to share it with anybody. If you want to email me, sblaskovich at dallasnews.com. He said I can share this. But some of these cocktails have tequila in them or whiskey. I think the one I'm going to go with is a version of a poinsettia. And it is half ounce St. Germain. So you get a little bit of that flowery sugar. It is one ounce palm wonderful, just pomegranate juice. Mm, yeah. We'll mm. turn it that beautiful rose color and four ounces of Prosecco or some other sparkler. Mm. So I think this is what I'm going to do. But I also want a couple of the experts to tell us what they think. So let's go back to Kyle Hilla. He has three tips for anybody making a champagne cocktail. First, keep it simple. Remember that you want the bubbles to be the star of the show. So add complimentary flavors that don't overpower the bubbles. Second, keep it seasonal. There are some wonderful winter fruits out there to use. Some of my favorite are pomegranates, pears, apples, and of course, the king of all winter fruits in Texas, the Texas ruby red grapefruit. Lastly, in the famous words of Coco Chanel, there are only two occasions to really drink champagne, when you are in love and when you are not. Cheers. Cheers. I love it. cute. Thank you, Kyle. I don't know that I've had a champagne cocktail with ruby red grapefruit. But now I want one. I also reached out to Millie Signs. She's a bartender at the Oak Cliff Bar Atlas to see what she would serve at her own holiday cocktail party. And she's doing whiskey and champagne. Pretty mm. cool. So for this cocktail, you're going to need an ounce and a half of Heaven Sort Bourbon, a half ounce of Bel Pear liqueur. This is a really nice, fruity, but not overly sweet liqueur that I think pairs very, very well for Christmas. You'll also need one ounce of lemon, and you'll also need about three quarters of an ounce of ginger syrup. This is a syrup that you can make at home. You can base it off of your own measurements, however you'd like, but it's quite literally just ginger boiled with some sugar and with some water to make a nice little ginger syrup. Once you have all your ingredients, shake them, pour them into a column glass over ice and you top it off with some champagne I personally love love anything spiced so I add about four or five dashes of Angostura bitters right on top and it just sits very nice on the palate I garnish this cocktail just with a dehydrated lemon I don't have a name for it just yet so hopefully you guys can come up with a really good one but I hope that for this holiday season, you guys love pear quite as much as I do. Was she at an airport? That sounds really good. That so what, really what good. should we call it? Oh, yeah. we have to name it? Um, Spicy something. I think something with pear. Yeah. Or it seems like a little boozy, naughty. Like you could pick a name that's just silly, like Santa's surprise. Naughty pear. Is this going to be on the Atlas menu? I don't know. I mean, I think Millie was just riffing for us, which is wow. pretty wow. incredible. We just got a free little recipe. Awesome. So can any of these things be made non-alcoholic or did anyone have any mocktail ideas? So one of our readers, Kylie, asked if we could offer a non-alcoholic sparkling mocktail for the holidays. So I asked Dallas bartender Alex Fletcher to give us a non-alcoholic recipe. Alex has chosen to stop drinking, and he's a bartender. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Fletcher with Henry's Majestic and Bar None Consulting. It's great that you're thinking of people who do not want to consume alcohol this holiday. For a wintertime non-alcoholic punch, I suggest something I like to call keep the change, filthy animals. 
In a punch bowl, you're going to take one bottle of Liars Classico non-alcoholic sparkling wine, 25 ounces of pomegranate juice, 6 ounces of lemon juice, 6 ounces of honey syrup, cut 2 to 1, 2 parts honey, 1 part water, this is to prevent it from sinking to the bottom. Add some ice, take some orange wheels, place some cinnamon sticks, rosemary, and pomegranate seeds on top, and you're ready to serve. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. Another trend we've been watching recently has been savory cocktails. Love this. There's been one drink that has kind of been trending, I think, for at least a year, and it's called the Parmesan Espresso Martini. Mm. Have you guys had this? Mm, no. no. And apparently cheese is a big thing with bartenders now, like incorporating cheese a lot into cocktails. So I'm very... I'm very curious about this. Food and Wine magazine says that cheekily sprinkling microplaned Parmesan cheese atop an espresso martini may seem like pure chaos, but it is in fact the opposite. I don't know. It sounds a little chaotic to me. I like I'm not, not knocking sprinkling. It, yeah. <laughs> That's an awesome I phrase. have not seen this on any Dallas menu. Have you, Sari Melda? Nope. I haven't seen it on a Dallas menu. I have a little twist. One of the best cocktails I've ever had in my life was in Mexico City earlier this year. Ooh. And it was a Caprese cocktail. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. It looked like a glass of white wine. Was it a martini? No. T- no, okay. It was light yellow liquid, like a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. It was made with elements that brought together mozzarella, tomato, and basil. Mm. How they made it colorless was the coolest and most fascinating part, but it drank like you were eating caprese salad. Wow. And it was just infused into the alcohol. There weren't like, there was no floating bits and they didn't even, you know, like garnish it with a tomato. Like it wasn't campy like that. It was food in a glass with booze in it. And we like sort of lost our minds over it. And so we were talking to the bartender about it a little bit. It was quite involved to where we didn't come back to the States and say, well, let's make that tonight. I have no idea how to make this. It was an absolute work of art. And we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Bartenders are really magicians sometimes with what they can do. I'm I'm really amazed by their craft. Yeah. Apothecary is a perfect example in Dallas. I had friends in town last weekend and Apothecary is a place we went after we had dinner at Sister. And we all had four pretty wacky cocktails. Yeah, Apothecary has had some really interesting savory cocktails on their menu. One was a fish sauce spiked coconut milk punch. Mm. Amazing. And they also had something called the kimchini, which is a kimchi martini. Mm. Good name. Another one called the Peking Tom, an old fashioned made with duck confit. Do you remember when Apothecary opened, they had that cocktail with the octopus tentacle coming out of it? Yes, I do. Imelda, would you drink a cocktail that has an octopus tentacle? I don't know. Maybe maybe if the octopus said like, hey, come on, baby. baby." If it was halfway alive still. (laughs) I'm thirsty now, you know? Yes, me too. Maybe the answer to your holiday parties is to think of a dish that you really want to make and make it into a savory cocktail instead. A Thanksgiving sushi cocktail? Oh, no. Oh, wow. (laughs) No. Yes, I don't know. I'm just saying, if you can't make it into a pie, maybe it just needs to go in a cocktail. If you try any of these, please let us know at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. We also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.